Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the 524th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at jerseysportingnews.com. And uh, the chat room is open. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. You like to uh, chat with me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. And finally... As we get ready to discuss this horrible situation that happened with the National Women's Soccer League, or the NWSL, uh, I'm joined tonight by a good friend of mine. Not only does she love the game, she loves the men's game and the women's game all in one, as she does make her columns known. Uh, over at, now let me just make sure I get it correctly here because she has switched outlets and I just want to make sure I uh, say correctly. <coughs> Pardon me. Challenge, Challenger Pitch. Challengerpitch.com, where my first guest tonight is the one and only and the fantastic Arceli Villanueva. She joins me tonight to talk about this despicable moment. Sadly, not just in the NWSL, not just in the women's game, but in American soccer altogether. Araceli, good evening. How are you, and how are you feeling tonight? Hey, Daniel. It's so great to speak with you again, and thank you for inviting me back on the show. I believe the last time we spoke was during the CCL some time ago, but um, I'm doing great tonight. Obviously, I'm disheartened by this news, but... I look forward to diving it in, diving in more of it with you. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I find it really disheartening to understand and to get the news that some of our top or at least up-and-coming young women that go from the college ranks to the professional ranks – and then you have this man in Paul Riley preying on young soccer players, young women soccer players, for sexual advances and favors. And no matter how much he may feel he's been respected in this game, he has done some dastardly things that really makes my blood boil. It really, really made me feel angry and upset that the future generation of American women soccer players were harmed and hampered by this gentleman. And, you know, when, when you cover the women's game like this, how does that make you feel to know that what's supposed to be considered a professional women's league has been infiltrated by these type of predators. Oh, it's definitely troublesome because when you 
go to these games you expect not only to see a professional team and to hear the stories of these women and of what, you know, they've overcome to get to this point in their careers, but this type of news is definitely, you know, as I mentioned, it's very disheartening, it's very troublesome, because you don't like to see this type of treatment within any league, and let alone the women's league, because as we know, you know, on the national level, they dealt with several um, disparities over the years, where, you know, it comes to income disparity, or, you know, just the the overall equality, but again, you know, to see this type of mistreatment on a professional level, it's just horrible news all around. And first off, I want to give full credit to Meg Lehan and Katie Strange of The Athletic, who first published this story and brought it to not only the league's attention, but to fans' attention, even new fans coming to the league, now that it is starting to expand with two new teams um, joining soon in California. No, absolutely. I mean, Meg Linehan, Katie Strang doing a fantastic job of covering this situation inside and out. I mean, what they have done has just been nothing short of fantastic writing, fantastic reporting on this situation, what's been going on, uh, not just where Mr. Riley was with Portland, also with the North Carolina Courage, and what could have been, um, you know, what's been going on with the Washington spirit as well in these situations. It's just very disheartening to read about these situations. And now, Lisa Baird, who was the NWSL commissioner, of course, uh, she stepped down as commissioner when – how is it that a woman like her or just a woman commissioner cannot protect fellow women players, possible staff members who are women that have handled or have seen or heard of these despicable moments and completely ignore the situation that what's been going on for, who knows, for the last maybe two to three, four years uh, with the NWSL in play? Oh, it's, def- it's definitely heartbreaking when you hear that type of news because you would, ex- you would expect the commissioner not only to stand behind her players but allow, you know, a full investigation or try to understand the severity of the situation. And I believe that was mentioned in the article that, um, Sunid uh, Farley, I believe that is the player that uh, first spoke out and reached out to her in those emails because I believe there was some examples of those within the article itself. Of course, right now I have that. Even though we, we see this, it's still obviously alleged while it's um, an ongoing investigation. But I guess that's the only bright side of this breaking news is that they were they were able to react so quickly that it forced her to not only resign but the general counsel also voted out Lisa um, or excuse me I need to correct myself the league's board of directors uh, voted out the general counsel Lisa Levine for her role in it as well 
And now they're starting to take matters into their own hands. We see FIFA, U.S. Soccer Federation, the NWSL now having all launched their own investigations into this. Even the creation of the Board of Governors, which includes three of the league owners. Absolutely. I'm very glad that's happened. Um, U.S. Soccer, of course, we all know, hired Sally Yates, uh, former Attorney General of the U.S. government. She's the leading um, lawyer, or the leading attorney uh, to handle these negotiations, not so say negotiations, but these uh, investigations into this matter of what's been going on. Do you feel that uh, comfortable are you in that this situation is in Mrs. Yates' hands for these investigations, or do you feel someone else should be leading uh, the charge? I feel comfortable that she is leading the charge per se now considering we do have this new board of governors and after the NWSL player union released their list of demands, which I believe had eight items included, which one um, stated that they want a full investigation of all league staff, coaches, technical staff, uh, front office, everyone. They want to investigate this thoroughly and make sure that no stones were unturned. And having yep. that type of leadership will definitely uh, not only light a fire under Yates, but, it, you know, see her mishandling it. But considering all eyes are on this, it definitely leads, you know, if she does lead astray, they're able to act quickly. Exactly. But I agree with you there. I, I have complete faith in Miss Yates. I think she will do a fantastic job getting this situation tackled and taken care of right away. Is it surprising to you where you've heard these stories, not just, of course, what's happened with the NWSL? I don't know if you remember what happened at Penn State with uh, a member of Joe Paterno's coaching staff with the sexual uh, misconduct that he gave to a young boy, of course, uh, during Joe Paterno's watch in the col- you know, for college football. Um, are we surprised now to see these moments happening, whether it be young women, uh, young boys, you know, in an atmosphere, whether it be in a collegiate level, as well as a professional women's sporting league level. I mean, so far, the WNBA, you know, knock on wood, has not had a moment like this or has not had a terrible moment like this. And we all know Adam Silver uh, and his predecessor back in the day, of course, uh, David Stern no longer with us on this earth, but uh, would probably make sure none of this would ever happen to the women's game. Um, Are you shocked that these things have happened in, in you know, in especially in modern times? Obviously you don't want to hear any uh type of stories, whether it's on the collegiate level or professional level or even the lowest of low divisions per se. Uh but uh, in a way I'm good that these stories are now being told the these coaches true characters, um 
are their true colors per se are now um into light with these athletes now feeling empowered you know to speak out and i think that also has um oh how do i word this for a lack of better terms i i don't want to call it necessarily a trend but that is something we have seen over the years in different sports especially with the biggest case being the Olympics, the, the Olympics, excuse me, the women's gymnastics team when they had Dr. Nazarene and you had, oh, goodness, I think it was about 30, 40 current and former gymnasts who came out and spoke out against him. And so from there on, we, I think women are now finally feeling a type of, empowerment and and support that they may have lacked back then to speak out against it and share their stories, um, you know, both for men and women, of course. But unfortunately, we have been hearing more cases, you know, coming from the women. Very true. And hopefully this will be the first and the last time we hear these things because this should be nipped in the bud. Um, the NWSL uh, Players Association, the union, uh, has been uh, speaking out on this as well. I get their emails periodically, just like you do. Um, I've been getting a lot of information through uh, different outlets about this situation. We've seen the last remaining regular season matches of the NWSL, uh, both sides, whether they take a a quick break during the match or just before the match gets underway, both members of those clubs that are facing each other and that night huddling and hugging and, 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 you know, unity at the center circle to tell everyone, you know, we are together in this. We are not going to allow this to ruin uh, this game for the women and for themselves. I mean, to me, that's just a wonderful thing to see. Um, the camaraderie, I keep, can't, I keep, can't say the word all the time. The, the, the hand in hand and the new bonds of friendship, even though they're all opponents, they're all together saying we will not allow this to ruin the game. Uh, and of course, give support to those who were ignored. I mean, to me, that's just fabulous to see from all the clubs that ran to the center circle and came together, including the women, the women referees, uh, they don't get enough credit, obviously when they're managing the match, you know, uh, dictating the laws of the game, but everybody came together and basically arm in arm in the center circle of all these NWSL matches that were seen, whether it was on CBS sports network or on the Paramount plus app. Oh, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think those moments of unity were definitely powerful, especially, you know, considering that the report first came out on September 30th and that weekend of October 2nd was a full slate of matches and they decided to delay those games, you know, because they had a more pressing matter at hand. And when games resumed, as you mentioned, we saw those powerful displays of the women's from both teams coming together in the middle, you know, to join in unity, to show that they are together and even wearing shirts that said, you know, no more silence. And even beyond that, we have seen
seen statements from even the their male counterparts in the MLS, the Portland Timbers, the entire team released a statement of how they were disheartened by the news, um, as well as other clubs. Just two, three weeks ago, I believe it was, um, U.S. WNT coach Waco Andowski, Sporting Kansas City manager Peter Vermees, and Casey Woso, head coach uh, Hugh Williams, all joined together for a special press conference, and they all shared the disgust of the news and that they will continue to support the women, you know, in no matter shape or form, especially with Coach Andowski reiterating more on it, you know, not only coming from a coach's perspective, but as a father whose daughter is currently playing at the collegiate level. I also have to give credit to the Timbers Army and how they've taken a stand against uh, general manager, sporting director, Gavin Wilkinson, uh, who, of course, was general manager of the Thorns. He's still general manager of the Timbers. But for him to be negligent on his watch for what's been going on, I mean, it's incredible to see what's been happening. And the question is now, you know, out there is should Gavin Wilkinson, which, of course, he's on leave as sporting director of the Thorns, yet he's still with the men's side in the Timbers. Question is, do you feel he should lose his job altogether, Araceli, as the Timbers Army they are demanding that Wilkinson uh, lose both jobs and leave the club. As you mentioned, he is currently on administrative leave for the Thorns, but he's still very active for the Timbers. I definitely do agree with the Timbers Army that that is counterproductive to have him still maintain his role for the men's side when he clearly let down uh, the women and dismissed their demands of course, I don't know the full um, context of his role that he had in all of this, but if it's as bad as it was for Lisa Bear to kind of turn a blind eye, then I definitely agree that he should be not only put on administrative leave, but definitely terminate it or have his position terminated altogether. And I don't uh, fault you at all for that sentiment because I probably would feel the same way. There's, I mean, look, as much as we love what goes on in uh, American soccer, men or women, does not matter. There's got to be a right way of doing things and getting rid of the wrong way. Does U.S. soccer in your mind share some blame in this as well as they are the governing body of the sport for both the men and the women, for the boys, for the girls? I mean, as much as it's nice to see Cindy Parlo Cohn bringing out an, a letter on all social media platforms to, to, to talk about the situation uh, of this problem that came in the NWSL. And obviously before her, Carlos Cordero was president before, of course, he stepped down after those comments he made a long time ago. Uh, with about the women on equal pay and all that stuff. Does U.S. soccer, do you believe, share some responsibility as they are the governing body of the sport in this country? I think in a way they do share some responsibility considering 
a large majority of the NWSL players do play on the national level at some point in their career if they're fortunate enough. And after the news broke, we did see statements from, like, Abby Weinbach and um, other uh, former national players, you know, not only showing their support for Sunid Farley and Mana Sim and others that are included in this report, but, again, you know, without knowing the full context of what their role may have been in this whole situation, it's hard to exactly determine the type of repercussions that the Federation should face. But I think in a way they do have a shared blame. There's no doubt in my mind that if these type of negligent acts are going on, that there's going to be some type of murmurs within the team, regardless if it's on a club level or the national level. They, because you have to build trust with your players and, you know, the players amongst themselves as well. So I'm sure somewhere of all of this, you know, with the equal pay situation, they had had to have heard something. But, again, it's hard to determine the full extent of what they're responsible for without knowing what they knew, per se. In your overall mind, who is to be blamed for all of this? In your overall mind on this situation with the NWSL, who is truly to be blamed for allowing this to fester and to continue up until the point where everything was just basically leaked out, beans were spilled, and, you know, thank goodness it was, or else we wouldn't be talking about it. We wouldn't even know this situation would have still continued. Where, where do you put, uh, you know, the problems at whose feet? And how do you sharpen your finger of blame at the ones that caused all this? I think it's very easy to say that there is a share amount of blame when it comes to uh, Coach Paul Riley in particular, you know, from general managers of the Portland Thorns and the North Carolina Courage. And I believe that there was a third team he had coached with prior to North Carolina um, for not doing a full background check on him. Obviously, I think a a large majority of it would come down on Lisa Bard because it was, as I mentioned earlier, it was shown in the article emails to her explaining the situation, and she just simply replied with, and don't quote me on this, but she replied that a full investigation was um, handled. If it was handled, then they should have known. And if they knew, then they she obviously turned a blind eye to it. And I think that part right there is the most disheartening to hear because I was fortunate enough to meet her at a Kansas City match earlier this season and she seemed to be a well knowledgeable lady, had to share love for the game, especially when she spoke about the new teams that are joining next season. So again to hear of her involvement in all of this, it was just shattering obviously and so I think Again, a large majority of it would come down on her, but there's also blame to go around the league. Exactly. I agree with you there 100%. And I really do hope that all of the women players of the NWSL 
I, I hope that this will never, ever happen again. Uh, you know, uh, it takes a lot for me. I shouldn't say it takes a lot for me. It takes me no time to get upset and angry when you read articles, comments, and my blood boiled when I heard about this situation. Um, I, I get angry and upset when the – I'm not calling anyone weak, but when a situation like this just comes up out of nowhere – and when you find out all the underhandedness that happened to the women players, uh, I, I was very upset. I have to calm myself down because I was ready to take to the microphone and just let everyone have it. But I had to calm myself down because I, I, you, you have the right to be angry. You have the right to be upset. You have the right to feel betrayed. But... When you got to do a show like this, and uh, no matter who the hosts or the guests are, male or female, we still have to discuss this in a calm and reasonable and rational manner. And I'll just be honest with you, uh, Araceli, I was very, very upset and angry, and I was ready to go on a tirade. Oh, I definitely agree. I mean, as a woman myself who enjoys this game to obviously hear any type of sexual misconduct happening with any athletes is very upsetting, but to have it hit so close to home per se, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. But again, I, I how do I word this? You don't want to hear this type of news, but in a way I am happy. I'm glad that it is happening now because exactly. they're addressing the situation, they're, uh, you know, creating these new demands and these new um, Board of Governors, I believe, they are right now under a global search for a permanent commissioner. And even this morning, the NWSL appointed uh, sports executive Marla Messing as the interim CEO until a new one is found. So to see them taking these steps, um, you know, positive to learn about, and hopefully everything will be uh, handled accordingly. Absolutely, because this can never happen again. This should never happen again. This should never have happened the first time. But thankfully, uh, the word got out. Thankfully, the story was out. And thankfully, all the situations are being taken care of, and hopefully the NWSL will be back better and stronger. And, you know, young girls, they can look up to their heroes, whether it's the current heroes that are on the national team or brand-new heroes that are going out there and either scoring big goals, making big plays, big stops, or big saves. I'm hoping this will never happen again, just like you are thinking that as well. Um, Araceli, thank you very much for your time, as always. I really do appreciate it. And uh, when I have you back on, we'll talk about some more good things, because I really hope we don't talk about this stuff again. Not saying it's not important, but I'm hoping our professional women's soccer players never have to face this situation ever again. Oh, thank you again for inviting me on and to discuss this. And 
um, you know, everything that transpired over the last few weeks. And I'm sure that even the news we heard this morning, it's not going to be the last of it. It definitely won't be. And hopefully it gets sorted and we'll have, uh, and we can definitely move forward and uh, hope for a brand new or a repeat NWSL champion. We'll see what happens then. Thank you again, Araceli. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Araceli Villanueva. My uh, colleague from Challenger Pitch talking about what happened with the NWSL about two-plus weeks ago. Um, I was really, really frustrated and angry and upset that our women players were treated like this. <coughs> Excuse me. I was very, very angry and very, very upset when I saw that. And... <laughs> Being of Hungarian descent, it takes me no time to be angry and upset and ticked off when you see or read something like this that happened. There's a lot going on in our country, whether it be political discussions, sports discussions, that can just set you off in five seconds or less. I admit, it happens to me too. I'm human. Because no one, no one should go through what our professional women's soccer players just went through in those respective teams by a sexual predator trying to get an edge just to have sexual favors given to him and everything else going for him, the man should be sent to jail. So now, what I want to do now is talk about something that, of course, some of you heard on, uh, first of all, let me just say this, discovering the headliner app uh, from a friend of mine who's been using it for a while, um, was absolutely fantastic. I, I'm so happy I have it. Uh, I downloaded it because, you know, being on social media a lot as I am, I really want to use this or use a program like this to give a snippet of my intro monologues or an important piece of discussion that I had on my past shows, if you've been a follower of CBS Sports Radio's Twitter page, uh, you're seeing a picture of a player or a picture of one of CBS Sports Radio Network's uh, uh, show hosts, and you have that wavy line moving around while uh, the voice of that said uh, show host is going off. I've been wanting to use that for a long time, and thankfully now I have it. I have a, a, uh, an app for that, and I'm grateful for a headliner app the, to help me out with that, and uh, it feels great to see that happen. But I want to talk about something that I, like I said, that I put out there on my headliner app, and that is the situation with Zach Steffen. Now, what I said... And I still believe 
Zach Steffen should not have started against Costa Rica. I believe in that. I'm still a firm believer in that because he is not a starter at Manchester City. Of course, there's opposition against me because why can't you understand that he's training with some of the best players in the world? Which is true. Which is true. He's being managed by Pep Guardiola, one of the best managers in all of Europe. But when does translating the training pitch gives him the opportunity to be the permanent starting goalkeeper at Man City in the Premier League of England. When will that happen? He hasn't played in four months. He got a game in this past Saturday because the real starter for Manchester City and Ederson, who is from Brazil, this past Thursday, he was the starting goalkeeper for the Brazilian national team. All players were flying back from South America back to Europe, which is why you didn't see Lionel Messi play for PSG on BN Sports, nor Angel Di Maria because of World Cup qualifying. Normally, those games would not be on a Thursday. But because of the COVID situation, they had to be filled for those extra days as makeup dates. Thankfully, it was on one window that this happened. But once again, everyone who is an American soccer fan and hates Major League Soccer always wants to see our players go to Europe and they should be on the national team roster for World Cup qualifying. Giving me excuses why they believe Zach Steffen is the number one goalkeeper. Why he's a quality goalkeeper in the Premier League. I don't see it because... He does not play consistently. He's not a starter consistently. Matt Turner, grown to become a very good goalkeeper in MLS, but he's starting every game. He's getting minutes every game. He's in game shape. He gets fitness like Stefan. But what Stefan does not get is game fitness. I don't care right now about where our players ply their trade, whether it be domestically or abroad. If they're in the Premier League of England, Serie A in Italy, the Bundesliga in Germany, or La Liga in Spain, or French Ligue 1, in France, 
Scottish Premier League? I don't care. Where they play and ply their trade on a club level means nothing to me. The only thing that matters to me is that Zach Steffen gets uh, to be a starter permanently. And it's not about throwing shade at Stefan. The truth is, I have nothing against him. I want Stefan to go out and play the best goalkeeping match of his life every single time he's playing for his club team. But he's not going to do that if he is the backup. And what's he going to do? League Cup matches every single time? FA Cup matches every single time? Those are one and dones. Those are the, I hope we don't get eliminated in this round so we can advance into the next round. Do you understand where I'm coming from here, everybody? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I want Stefan to play all the time. And if you're going to give me an excuse because he plays in the Premier League or he plays abroad in England that he's a quality goalkeeper, what quality have you seen him play in? Or are you just that desperate? Are you that desperate to have Stefan start and not Turner because he plays in Europe. You know, I gave an option out on Twitter saying, well, maybe Zach Steffen, if he's not going to get regular playing time with Manchester City, maybe he should go out on loan. That's not to say he's no longer a Manchester City player. That's not saying that at all. If you pay attention to what's going on here, if you pay attention to the situation of loan deals, there is a decision by the club who is sending a player out on loan that they want him to get minutes for. There are decisions of the club that owns the contract of their player to not add a purchase by that club, you know, where he's going to be on loan. You can absolutely tell that other club there is no room for you. Purchase him off the loan. We want to send him on loan to your club. It could be a couple of months. It could be a season. It could be two seasons. The parent club has the right to inform another club, possibly in another league, or in the same league, but in the lower ends of the table, and tell them, we would like to have our guy on loan at your club, but we still want him. So there will be no purchase to buy from you. We want to keep him. We're not going to allow him to go. We still want him. 
This is how the loan deal works. If they feel Manchester City does not want Zach Steff anymore, and they send him on loan with a purchase to buy, then you should be worried. But what's there to be worried about? He'll still be in Europe. He'll be in England. He won't be in the Premier League, or if he is in the Premier League, he'll be with a different club. It all depends on what is going to happen here. It all depends on how Manchester City writes up the loan agreement. But I want to say this to everyone right now. I want to say this to everyone right now. And these are, this is aimed at the anti-MLS American soccer fans for the national team. If you're going to tell me that Matt Turner has terrible distribution, has bad footwork, is bad at telling his back line where to go, what to do, and how are you, and who you're going to be defending, I want you to stop right now. And not even bother rooting for the U.S. men's national team. Because I refuse. I completely refuse to give up on a player because his career is in Major League Soccer. Or his starting of his career is in Major League Soccer. And when they get called into the national team... I'm not going to root for them anymore because he's an MLS player. I'm sick and tired of this. It does not matter where they play their club football. Okay? It does not matter to me if Zach Steffen was going to remain in Columbus. It does not matter if Zach Steffen is going to be at Manchester City. I don't care if he gets loaned out to Brentford or Leeds, Wrexham, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday, whatever. As long as he's in Europe, that's all that matters. But for the last time, I want him to be a starting goalkeeper. Having him Not playing is not enough. This is not me comparing Zach Steffen to Tim Howard or comparing Zach Steffen to Casey Keller or comparing him to Brad Friedel or even Johnny Walker. This is me saying, I want Zach Steffen to be match fit, not fit for training, match fit. When Josie Altidore was being brought up and developed at the New York Red Bulls Academy and had two solid seasons, playing a half year when he got called in, a full year after that, and then got a half year after, and then transferred to Villarreal. Villarreal of La Liga said, originally, 
We're going to put him on loan first to have him get used to playing in Spain. And I said to myself, you know what? That's a damn good idea. And this is when I started, this is when I was getting started as a reporter, journalist on the game of American soccer and covering the New York Red Bulls. I said to myself, <clears throat> if Pellegrini is going to allow Jose Altador to grow up and be a damn good player for Villarreal, go for it. He has to learn on loan. He's got to be on loan, got to go on loan. What did Villarreal do? Villarreal decided not to put Josie Altidore on loan. They kept him on the roster. He had a couple of substitution moments going into the games late in the second half. And you know what? At the time, I said, great, great. Okay, Villarreal wants to keep him. You don't want to put him out on loan? Great, here you go. Give him a chance. But after the first three to four matches where he was basically playing two out of three or two out of four as a substitute, they never used him again. Either he was on the bench and was not subbed in, or he was basically a game-time scratch. And when he was being forced to be used by Pellegrini, who was the manager of Villarreal back then, you know, it, it was barely enough time for him to do anything. And then all of a sudden, Villarreal put Josie Altidore out on loan after going through a little more than halfway through the La Liga season. They sent him to a club on loan in the second division, Spain, which I, right now the name escapes me of that club. But they were fighting to become promoted to La Liga. They were fighting for promotion. And they got there. And once they got promoted, Villarreal brought Josie Altidore back. And then after that, Contract was over. Then Jose Altidore bounced around in Europe. Went to England. Didn't do anything. Went to Turkey. I guess he had a decent year. Don't know. Went to AZ Alkmaar. Won a Dutch, won a Dutch Cup with AZ Alkmaar. And then all of a sudden goes back to England. And failed again. Then he comes back to MLS and plays with Toronto FC. And he's done well at Toronto. It's not so much that he couldn't cut it in Europe. But the truth is, he should have stayed in the Netherlands and played for AZ Alkmaar and not returned to England. He just didn't. He just couldn't play. For, he just couldn't play in, in England. I, I personally believe that Villarreal screwed him over. And that's how I felt since he went abroad. Josie got screwed by Villarreal. 
And I will continue to say that no matter what anybody says. Because he was that important to us. And when he's not getting playing time, Josie Altador for Villarreal, Bob Bradley kept bringing him over for World Cup qualifiers, and he kept starting him. As much as, much as I have respect for Bob Bradley, and I will never go against Bob Bradley, I think he's one of the better coaches in America right now, especially in MLS. Complete and utter respect for the man, for what he has done for this game. The truth is, is that I was not happy that Josie Altador was starting for the men's national team in World Cup qualifying. I was not happy. And this was, I believe, the uh, South Africa qualifiers for that World Cup. But once again, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He wanted Josie Altador. He wanted him to play. I said to my friends back then, I said to them, listen, I don't think Josie should be the starter. He's not getting playing time. He's not getting minutes. I think he should come off the bench. Because I was afraid that Josie Altador was going to get injured and you couldn't have that. You couldn't have that with a guy like Josie. That's how important he was, in my opinion, to the national team as a striker. Bob kept using him as a starter. And while he didn't really get injured a lot, it still worried me. I'm not lying. I got worried that Josie Altor was going to pull a hamstring or have a leg injury of some sort. Or because he's not running around all the time that he could get hurt and injured. It could have been one of those non-contact injuries. We won't know, but the truth is, I was hoping Josie Altador was not going to be out for a long period of time. Thankfully, he wasn't. But still, though, it is a situation where you couldn't mess around like that. You can't. And look what happened to Zach Steffen. In the CONCACAF Nations League in the final. Tied at one. Makes a a running stop of a grab. The Mexican player was nowhere near him to touch him. And Stefan had a leg injury. Couldn't finish the Nations League final. And Ethan Horvath came in to make the save of his life. On that walk-off penalty. Ethan Horvath now is at Nottingham Forest. Is he starting? No. Why? Because Nottingham Forest is using Horvath as a backup. Is that what our goalkeepers are now reduced to being? Backups? Hercules Gomez, Eric Gomez, no relation. Spanish language broadcaster and, of course, uh, that's Hercules Gomez, former L.A. Galaxy player, former um, 
Santos Laguna player in Mexico, ESPN commentator on ESPN FC, as well as uh, his streaming show with Sebastian Salazar on the Football Americas, Eric Gomez, Spanish language Mexican league writer, club league writer on ESPN Espanol, ESPN Deportes. Hercules Gomez also goes on ESPN Deportes as well. Having a conversation on Twitter. I'm not going to call it an argument. It's a conversation. And Eric Gomez is saying the same thing that I'm saying. A backup is a backup is a backup. This is not about throwing shade at Zach Steffen. This is about how troubling it is that Zach Steffen has not been a starter yet. And other names have popped up, like Max, Bre- like Max Bredos, formerly a Fox Soccer Channel. Play-by-play announcer of LAFC, has his video podcast called The Soccer OG. Love Max, respect Max. He also said, I want to see Stefan play at Man City too. Do any of you understand? We are not against Zach Steffen. We want Zach Steffen to finally be the starting goalkeeper that he should be. But if you're going to continue to rag, cry, whine, and scream out loud that he's a quality Premier League goalkeeper, you know what quality goalkeeper he is? A backup. Because if he wins training, he wins training. Congratulations. You don't get three points when you're training. I should know. Before the pandemic came, I go to the New York Red Bulls training facility, and I watch them train whenever I'm told it's time to go and leave the press room to go and watch the Red Bulls train. And when you watch BWP train and Lloyd Sam and Sasha Kleistian and Mike Grella and all these other players, Michael Murillo, Damian Perrinel, when you watch, even when Thierry Henry was training with the Red Bulls when he was playing for the Red Bulls and Dax McCarty, it's amazing what they do. It's amazing how they get their bodies prepared and they have a game plan and they're going to execute it. They don't play 90-minute matches at training. There's a lot of starts and stops. There's a lot of shooting practice, penalty kick practice, training for corners, training for free kicks, short-sided fields, real training. And if Zach Steffen is doing excellent in training, well, he wins training then. He beats Ederson in training then. Playing in an official Premier League match, I don't see Zach Steffen in goal. I see Ederson. The only time I see him in goal, Zach Steffen, once again, is either during a League Cup match or an FA Cup match. So make up your minds, folks. Are you going to defend 
that hill? Are you going to die on that hill to tell me that Zach Steffen is a Premier League goalkeeper? He's a quality Premier League goalkeeper? Is that what you're going to be doing? Because I'm telling you right now, Zach Steffen is a backup. Plain and simple, a backup. He's 26 years old. How long does he have to wait to become a starter in the Premier League? How long does he have to be a starter in England or in any club in any league in England to get that opportunity? When will he get that opportunity? And I still don't count this past weekend because it's only one game. You're going to try and show me up on Twitter after just one freaking Premier League game? He has to go on a run. He has to be the starter, period. And that's only going to happen if Ederson is out of form, gets injured in warm-ups for the match, or gets injured during the match in a Premier League match. Going to play in a League Cup or in an FA Cup does not cut it for me. It's either going to be Premier League and UEFA Champions League or bust. And right now, it's bust. I'm not saying Zach Steffen is a bust. I'm saying that he's not getting playing time in a Premier League match and in a UEFA Champions League match. Those are the upper echelons of going out there and performing at the highest level in European football. Reserve games don't mean a damn thing. League Cup matches don't mean a damn thing. FA Cup matches don't mean a damn thing. Either he's playing and he's got to play a match this weekend, next weekend, the following weekend, the following weekend after that, and the following weekend after that. He's got to go on a run. Because if he's not going to go on a run, well, then we're all having our time wasted by Pep Guardiola. And that, my friends, is the shame of it all for Zach Steffen. I want him to be successful. I want him to succeed. I want him to do well. But if he's not going to get proper minutes, and if he's not going to be a proper starter, well, then what the hell are we doing here then? What in the hell are we doing here then? Because it's getting ridiculous. I'm not looking for the next Tim Howard. I'm looking for the next great American goalkeeper to do a job and do it well. If we're not going to get it, well, then let's get somebody else in there who can make a difference. Or let him go out on loan to another club. Or let him go to another club that wants him, that believes in him, that will use him as a starting goalkeeper. That is all I have to say about that. That is it. You don't like what I said? You don't like how I'm saying it? Well, guess what? Tough. Get your own show. Prestige is out the window, folks. Prestige doesn't mean a damn thing when you're riding the bench. The seat may be comfortable and warm, but it doesn't mean a damn thing when your ass is not out on the pitch and making big-time saves. 
It's only one game. Don't gloat until he's on a run and assume, oh, he's playing in the Premier League now. No. He filled in for Ederson, who was coming back from Brazil for World Cup qualifying because the match for World Cup qualifying was on Thursday, and the Premier League match was right away on a Saturday. And time zone problems as well. So don't come after so don't come at me because you're trying to prove to me, you're trying to prove to me he is playing in the Premier League. He is the quality Premier League goalie. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's got to do more. Got to do more. Being on Man City is not enough. Getting Man City victories and three points, that's the situation I want to see whether you like it or not. All right, folks, time now to talk about the U.S. Open Cup qualification rounds. This is the second round of qualifying uh, in the U.S. Open Cup Some this past weekend. We got some scores. Uh, before we do, we already have a postponement of a match um, as Modesto City FC, supposed to host Contra Costa FC in the Western region of Open Cup qualifying. Unfortunately, that match has been considered uh, postponed. Uh, stay tuned with either uh, U.S. Soccer's uh, website on uh, the Open Cup if there will be a rescheduled date or check Open Cup's Twitter at Open Cup. Uh, we also have in the Northeast region the uh, Westchester Flames. They have been given their match as uh, Jackson <clears throat> Lions uh, in Jackson, New Jersey, has decided to forfeit their match in the second round. And that, well, also because they'll be moving to the NPSL for the 2022 season and no longer be in the end. Well, technically still amateur, but it'll be a little bit more professional than than before. But um, so Westchester, excuse me, Westchester United. I'm thinking about, of course, the old Westchester Flames and the PDL, USL League Two. Um, <clears throat> Westchester United uh, automatically goes to the next round. And uh, we also have some winners there, too. So. We'll get to that in just a moment. So let's go ahead. Uh, in extra time, it was Districtonia, Districtonia football defeating D.C. Cheddar by a final of three goals to two in the Northeast. And then you got Brockton FC in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, excuse me. Uh, they basically blow out Kendall Wanderers by a final of five goals to nil. And then you have a 2-1 victory for Northern Virginia FC over Virginia United FC. And then in the battle of the Pennsylvania clubs in Philadelphia, in extra time, the Philadelphia Lone Star defeats Verengung Erzgeberge by a final of two goals to one. In penalties, FC Maritza defeats the IASC Boom on penalties 
5-4 to four after the match went 1-1 through regulation and extra time. In extra time, and they were streaming it as well, um, New York Pantipian Freedoms were the home team against Oyster Bay United. And in extra time, it's Oyster Bay United defeating the New York Pantipian Freedoms by a final of two goals to nil uh, over at Belson Stadium on the campus of St. John's University in Queens. And then a 3-0 victory as Lynchburg FC defeats Rockville Soccer Club in the Central Region. We have a seven goals to one victory as Southwest Football Club defeats GAM United SC. One-nil victory for good old Harpos. They defeat Peak 11 FC. It's the defeaters, Kicks FC. They defeat the Houston Hotshots by a final of two goals to one. And finally, finally, Azteca FC in Colorado, a 5-2 drumming of the Colorado Rovers. And it is the uh, Azteca FC with the victory moving forward. Now, Florida Soccer Soldiers, they're starting to go and get hot. A 2-1 victory over Hurricane FC. And then you have the the Miami Soccer Academy, also the 2-1 victory over Naples City FC. Georgia Revolution Reserves of the NPSL taking on the Georgia Storm. Of course, their inaugural season in the NPSL, a 2-2 draw through regulation extra time, but it would be the Georgia Revolution Reserves with 4-2 win in the round of penalties. A 4-0 victory as Orlando FC Wolves defeats Ocean Way FC. And then you have Florida Brothers. That match also going into penalties. 3-3 through regulation extra time against Red Force FC. But it's Red Force that wins it on penalties, 4-2. to two. And then, of course, International Soccer Association, 4-0 drumming of Palm Beach Breakers. So it will be uh, Inter-Soccer Association advancing. And finally, South Carolina United Heat, a 3-1 victory over Atletico Atlanta, and they will advance into the next round of, of U.S. Open Cup qualifying. Once again, now we're going to go to the West. And in the Western region of Open Cup qualifying, Oakland Stompers gets destroyed by El Farolito. So it's a 7-0 victory for El Farolito. They get their 7-up. San Francisco Metro FC defeating Jasa RWC by final of four goals to two. Four goals to two victors for Battleborn FC over 
FC Davis. 1-0 victory for this side, and that is Desert Communities SC. They defeat Villarreal Las Vegas. 5-0, excuse me, 3-0 victory for Outbreak FC over against the LA Monsters. Chula Vista FC with a 2-0 victory over White Lions. Excuse me, White Tigers FC. My fault there. Apologize for that. And we have Inter San Francisco with a 4-1 victory over Real San Jose, Battle of the Bay Area teams. Escondito FC, a 3-2 nail-biter victory as they defeat Rebels Soccer Club. A 2-1 victory, San Fernando Valley FC defeating Trojans FC. A 6-0 destruction by Capistrano FC as they take down Real Sociedad Royals. And finally, a 6-0 victory for Sporting D... Excuse me, Sporting ID 11 as they defeat and destroy Rose City FC. So those are your scores in round two qualifying for the U.S. Open Cup in 2022. And now officially finding out the spots that have been given out to these teams that are going to qualify right now. So for the Northeast, they will get four spots. There are eight clubs remaining. All four spots are up for grabs in the month of November. In the Central and in the South, two spots each up for grabs. So that means for the Central, they will have one more qualifying round, and whoever wins that will go to the Open Cup in the first round draw. Um, There will be another round of matches in the month of December for qualification. And in the West teams right now, get down to six. And when you get to December, three spots are up for grabs. So as we have seen this so far, where they're going to have 12 clubs all together in the semi-professional amateur qualifying Lansdowne Boys or Lansdowne Yonkers, New York, they have the automatic birth winning the U.S. Adult Soccer Association Championship, the the Fricker Award. So they will be automatically in there. It's all about the next 11 clubs that are going to be joining them in the opening round of the 2022 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And we are going to be back with that. It's, I cannot wait. We've had two years missing of no Open Cup. It's been terrible. But you know what? I understood why it had to be done. And we're finally get back on track with another Open Cup season. And we're going to have ourselves a fun time. Try and catch as many of these streams as you can. Uh, hopefully, it will be uh, solid. 
as the last couple of ones were. And once again, we should have a lot of fun with these third-round qualifiers. That will be in November. I believe it will be on the weekend before Thanksgiving. So have some fun. Go and have some fun. Because we're not going to be having any issues with World Cup qualifying. It will be on Friday, November the 12th at TQL Stadium as the United States will be taking on Mexico. That will be seen on ESPN, 9 o'clock Eastern start time, 6 o'clock Pacific. And then our boys are going down to Jamaica and head over to the office in Kingston as our boys are going to try. They are going to try and grab another three points. Once again, we're going to get to the scheduling here for the U.S. men's national team for World Cup qualifying. And here we go. Once again, Friday night, November the 16th, the United States will be taking on Mexico at the TQL Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific. That will be seen on ESPN2. They will also be seen on Univision and TUDN. And then we will have on Tuesday, November the 16th at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific, United States on the road against Jamaica at King, at the office in Kingston, Jamaica. Expect that match to be seen on either CBS Sports Network or... And that has been a lot of fun to watch. So it should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. New York Red Bulls. Oh, my God. Seven games unbeaten. They win the Hudson River Derby, one goal to nil, a third-minute goal on a rebound smash by Christian Casters Jr., and then it was all defense, great goalkeeping, some lucky moments there for Carlos Coronel, but Carlos Coronel has been absolutely sensational. Ten clean sheets so far, 11 actually now with the victory on Sunday afternoon on ESPN uh, from this past weekend. All you can say is if you're a New York Rebels fan, this is the type of team we were expecting to see. They finally are getting it together at the right time. Still some moments where you don't know what's going to happen. But as of right now, a seven-match unbeaten streak, 17 points. They've only allowed two goals. They have scored a goal in their last six. Only that match to start this unbeaten streak, the 4-0 victory where Klimala scored, Omir Fernandez scored, and Fabio scored twice to make it 4-0. That's the first time you'd seen the New York Red Bulls actually put something together and score multiple goals. Still need to do it consistently. 
But I'll tell you right now, this team is looking strong right now. Plenty of things ahead of them that they need to learn, and also depending on who their first-round opponent will be, if they even get there. We need to wait and see what's going to happen if this Red Bulls team can make a big move, a huge move, to get this Ranger team into a Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup, I'm sorry, my bad. An MLS Cup run into the playoffs. But until then, five matches remaining. Four of them are on their schedule as playoff contenders. They're going to be in Columbus, Ohio this coming Saturday. Next Wednesday, on the road at D.C. United at Audi Field. The following Saturday, at home against Club de Foot Montreal. And then Atlanta United at home to finish them up. And finishing the regular season, they'll be on the road against Nashville SC at the home of Nissan Stadium. So all you're, I'm asking is be there. Go to Red Bull Arena. Go to your watch parties and put yourself into a position that you believe you'll be comfortable in and hope and pray for a victory. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. But other than that, thank you very much for listening to me tonight. I want to thank my guest, Araceli Villanueva, to discuss about the NWSL. And thank you for listening, not only to my show, but listening to the new uh, quotes from I'm going to pull out using the headline app for Twitter, maybe some Facebook, somewhere down the road. We'll wait and see. But until then, I hope you enjoyed that piece of uh, moment that I'm going to have. It won't be done every week, just when I feel it's going to be crucial to talk about certain things, but we'll have to wait and see. But my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Join me next week talking more about American soccer and maybe with some of our friends in the great north, Canada. Watch out for them. They're on a high and they're on a roll. Be careful with them when our U.S. men's national team has to go to BMO Field in Toronto to face a big, big, big qualifier that week. Thank you very much, everybody. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I hope you have a good evening, and as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.